today, violent cities continue to punish the good guys with the guns, and a female MMA fighter speaks out against biological males in female sports. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Happy Friday, by the way. It is Friday, in case you couldn't tell by my attire. I couldn't be bothered today. I am here today, joined by Eric July, Blaze TV contributor and owner of Ripiverse Comics, along with Oren McIntyre, Blaze TV host of The Oren McIntyre Show. We're very happy that you're in town. Wish that you would come in town more. That's good. Saying you don't call, you don't write. It's good to see you. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into the headlines here. I, I'm going to read you um, a couple different stories uh, just to kind of go over how dangerous cities are these days. Um, so their first one is, a man in New York City has been charged with reckless endangerment after he stepped in to help a woman who was being robbed at a subway station by a homeless man, and he fired uh, several shots. So he was this 43-year-old John Rote, I believe is how you say his name, charged with criminal possession of a firearm, criminal possession of a weapon, reckless endangerment, and menacing after he had fired the two shots in the direction of this mugger who was accosting a woman late at night at the subway station. Um, uh, apparently, he was holding open an emergency gate. Police said that he was trying to take the woman's purse, um, and that was when the I would say Good Samaritan stepped into action. This is not the first time that we've seen this in New York specifically. This is not the first time we've seen this in New York City on the subway. Um, and so now, of course, he, uh, the good guy with the gun is in trouble. Now, I, I want to get your thoughts on this, guys, but just to kind of prove a point of how dangerous it is when you have these violent cities coupled with uh, DAs, um, who seem to just want to punish people acting in good faith while they drop charges on violent criminals who reoffend and reoffend and reoffend. Um, I want to go through this story. Jillian Ludwig, a freshman at Nashville's Belmont University, was shot in the head by a man who just earlier this year was jailed for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, but was released after a court deemed him mentally incompetent to stand trial which doesn't make much sense to me. Um, but uh, so he was previously charged with three counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon after he was accused of shooting into a car containing a woman and two children. This was a three-year-old and a one-year-old with the, with the woman. Um, and he, because he was mentally incompetent, they dismissed him. He went back out onto the streets after it was found that he did not meet the criteria for involuntary commitment to a mental institution. So square those two things. You are too incompetent to stand trial, but not too incompetent so that you have to be involuntarily committed. Um, obviously, this is a broken system, but months later, after that, he was charged with felony auto theft after he was seen driving a car that had been carjacked by two men in ski masks just days earlier. He was released on $20,000 bond and failed to appear in court. So what you have here uh, are a bunch of criminals roaming the streets of these cities where 
it seems to be that you commit actual crimes and um, you're not really punished for those crimes. Uh, they give you a slap on the wrist and they send you on your way. And then, you know, if you are, if you happen to be in New York City and you want to try to prevent someone from robbing a woman and stealing her purse, we can talk about whether or not he should have fired the shots in the direction. I think some, some media outlets had categorized them as warning shots. So we can talk about whether or not you should fire warning shots. But the fact of the matter is it doesn't seem like in New York City you can do anything to help any innocent citizen if they are being attacked, if they are being robbed. If anything violent is happening to them, it doesn't seem like you're allowed to intervene or you end up in jail. Well, let's first talk about the fact that two things uh, can be true, and I want people to understand that. So if we're the whole warning shot thing, you should not be ever firing mm -hmm. those um, shots. However, uh, after reading the story, nobody was injured, nobody was um, right. hurt or anything uh, of that nature. So while I can say maybe need some training on that aspect, um, and that maybe wasn't the right move. However, if he would have hit him, they probably would have and like hit the actual uh, murderer, and he, especially if he killed him, he would have got for sure 1,000% charged with something from a criminal perspective. So what this does, much like many of these other laws, is that it puts the, the, the want to live in a just, peaceful place among these folks that you're supposed to be dependent on mm -hmm. to serve and protect you, right? Because in the event that you put the stuff in your own hands, you're going to then become the criminal. We saw this numerous times during the summer of love in 2020, in which I hear talked about the instance out there in, uh, was it, Minnesota, or pawn shop owner, guys looting the place up, he shoots them, and then what do you know, he's the one that gets arrested for, uh, uh, for murder because, well, they have these laws that are called duty to retreat. Mm. All these laws do is they they want to punish you for being able to protect yourself or the people around you. To me, these are some of the most criminal, literal criminal laws that I exist because it does not allow you to protect yourself and those um, around you. So I don't know why anybody would voluntarily live in these crap hole cities, especially a place like New York City. But, you know, I guess maybe I'm kind of doing a little bit of armchair uh, here because I, I, I don't live there, right? right. Nonetheless, you're going to keep hearing about these stories over and over and over. You mentioned DAs, you mentioned the uh, co corruption top to bottom within this mm -hmm. justice system and what it is that, it, that we have. And this is why the crime, I would argue, exists in the first place, because people do not fear consequences, yeah. whether it be from even the police or uh, from folks that are competent enough to deter them from committing such an act. Right. Or in, it wasn't that long ago, um, or doesn't feel like that long ago, that the Jordan Neely case was happening in New York City. That was Daniel Pe Daniel Penny. There was Daniel Penny and Daniel Perry happening at the same time. That was in Austin. Daniel Penny was in New York. And, you know, he put the guy in the chokehold because this guy was behaving very erratically. Everyone was scared. He was going up to attack people. And Daniel Penny still finds himself in trouble. Um, in second degree manslaughter he was charged with, criminally negligent homicide. Um, and he even had a court filing back in October that uh, the his attorneys highlighted testimony from witnesses in the grand jury who they were like, I was afraid I was going to die. They were all afraid for their lives. And yet he was punished as well. So, I mean, this just seems like just more of the same, punish the people for actually the brave men who are standing up and protecting their community. 
Yeah, absolutely. You got to understand that anarcho tyranny is not an accident. It's an active strategy. The government wants everybody dependent on them. They want them to be the only ones who can act in a dangerous situation. And so you have to strip the individual of the right to defend themselves. And especially you have to strip men of their natural role of defending others, especially women. When women look at this and they say, where are the good men? Why aren't they standing up? Why aren't they defending this woman being assaulted on the subway? This is exactly why we have intentionally manufactured a scenario in which this is criminalized and we get the natural results you'd expect. Yeah, I mean, because I have to tell you, my advice, which I would not live in one of these cities either, Eric, to your point, I, that's not a choice that I would ever make. Um, but in the event that I was in that situation and a totally hypothetical, I would make sure that my husband knew. I mean, this sounds horrible, but I would make sure that my husband knew, like, do not ever get involved in someone else's business because you can't be in jail and not providing for our family, right? So, I, and I, I hate that it would be that way, but it'd be like, if your choice is a random stranger who's being attacked or your family that you might not get to come home to because you're going to be thrown in jail for defending someone, you got to choose your family. So to your point, Aaron, I agree with you. I think that there are a lot of good men. They're just scared. And it's like, I'm going to pick my family every single time. Well, uh, that's, I mean, even the hesitation there could cost someone life. Yeah. And it has. Yes. It has cost lives. There, and that's what sucks about it because you have to, uh, definitely as a responsible gun owner, you got to do this anyway. Uh, but, you know, in the event that you, even just from a cultural, societal perspective, you're like, look, this would be the right thing to do. You have to cycle through all of this in your mind at, uh, at any given time, like, okay, but in the event that I hit the target, there are going to be consequences, no matter how much I'm in the right. Mm -hmm. Because the law is not necessarily on my side. Now, in certain states, they're more on your side than what they are in others, like the Texas of the world or the uh, Florida's. But in New York City, your, your hands are tied behind your back. So you could be yeah, walking by and something crazy is going on. And you could be completely in the in the, uh, justified, not necessarily by law, but just as a man to step in, intervene and, and, and do something about the threat, neutralize it. But you have to then think, well, if I do, what happens to me? Because who's going to be the one that they're going to deem as criminal at this point? Right. It's going to be me. And it's that's what sucks. You. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's almost like they actually want the chaos and the destruction and they want you to be scared about your every move every day. Um, so going back to the, the story in Tennessee, I want to read the newly elected Nashville mayor's statement on this matter. Uh, this woman being shot by this incompetent male who they couldn't they couldn't bother to put in jail they couldn't bother to put him in a mental institution they just thought he'd be best out on the streets uh, danger and menace to the rest of society the mayor said i definitely think it's worth looking at the gap that exists between someone who is deemed incompetent to stand trial and yet winds up then in a place where they can be on the streets untreated and armed uh, he also said i suspect that if there were a murder charge for the same suspect it could be possible that this would be dismissed. Um, I don't trust in their ability to actually, actually look at uh, at the criminal justice system and the mental health system. I don't. I don't trust him. Do you? 
No, I, I think that Joseph DeMaster is right, and we all get the government we deserve. Any society that's going to value the rights or ability of someone who is obviously a criminal, obviously has mental issues, their ability to wander the streets and continue to you know terrorize innocent people, they're going to eventually end up with these kind of consequences. You have to put that kind of stuff first. You have to be willing to go ahead and take the steps necessary to secure the safety of citizens, even if that means infringing on the so-called rights of someone who's a violent offender repeatedly and is mentally in competent. You just have to be able to make those decisions. And if you can't, then you shouldn't be in le leadership positions. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right. Coming up next, I talked to an MMA fighter, a biological female who unexpectedly found herself fighting a biological male. We will get into that after the break. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. So Relief Factor is there for those of you who you just, maybe you've reached the age where everything hurts all the time. Maybe you've got back issues, knee issues, neck issues, whatever the case may be. Um, I know this all too well, what it feels like when you have constant pain. It just leaks into every facet of your life. You know, maybe you're uh, less patient with your family because you just walk around with that nagging pain all the time. Might I suggest you try Relief Factor? It has worked for me, it's worked for Glenn, it's worked for so many others in this building. And it's actually, I know a lot of men, you'll snub your noses at this, it is all natural, which I think you guys, you men, I'm gonna be sexist, you men, you men, you men think if it's all natural, it doesn't work, but that is not the case here, okay? Um, it actually targets the inflammation in your body, which often, oftentimes is the cause, the root cause of your pain. So you're not just gonna put a Band-Aid over it, you're actually going to get right to the root of the issue. There are hundreds of thousands of people who order Relief Factor every month, and about 70% reorder it because it's working for them. It can work for you as well. So go order a trial pack for $19.95 to see if it will work for you. By the end of that trial pack, you will know if Relief Factor will work for you, and of course, you saw that statistic. The odds are in your favor. Go get that relief uh, relief factor quick start pack over at relieffactor.com. That is relieffactor.com. The North American Grappling Association, yes, that's NAGA, not MAGA, has uh, recently made changes to its policy regarding the participation of transgender female athletes in their events. Now, these changes came after an incident at a tournament in Georgia on October 21st of this year, where transgender athletes competing in the women's category led to the withdrawal of actual biological females. Now, I wanna bring in someone who knows firsthand what it is like to, uh, to fight as a biological female, to fight a transgendered person. This is Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt and coach Ainsley Wilk, whose uh, story went viral after she shared it recently. Ainsley, thank you for being here. Can you please yeah, tell my viewers uh, what your experience was? What was it, in July? Yeah, I did a tournament in July. It was called Submission Challenge. Um, I wasn't expecting to really fight. I was coaching my whole team that day. They ended up calling me to the mat an hour and a half early. I kind of just got rushed to the mat, so I didn't get DQ'd. I just ran there, and then I had probably five to ten seconds before the ref said go, and then I'm like, okay, we're here now. We got to fight. Um, and then I tapped them in the first match, and I was like, this is a strong old lady. This doesn't feel right. <laughs> It just, I've competed against hundreds of women and it just felt surreal. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you tap them, you're like, oh, there's a bulge there. That's weird. <laughs> um, did you, I, I understand that you, I would like to point out, you were 
victorious. You fought him twice, and you actually yes. won both times, which is something that on this program we do often talk about uh, the challenges with that because that's not the typical experience. Oftentimes, um, and you'll, I know my viewers are watching your fight right now. We're playing this. I don't think they are going to have any problem determining which one is the biological female uh, in this particular match. It's insanely obvious which one is dressed up and playing make-believe. But, um, you know, we talk about this on the program so often, the unfair advantage that a biological male has against females and how dangerous it can be. Um, I know that you yourself obviously were victorious in this, but before you, before you won both of these fights, were you at all afraid that, like, whoa, hold on a second, I, I'm I'm battling a man who could probably spank me, you know, um, before you right. realized that this was a, a very weak one? Yeah. So I, uh, as soon as I got into like the clinch position, I was like, this is different. I, I panicked. I pull guard. It was not my plan to pull guard at all. I was talking to my teammates before. I'm like, I really want to work on my wrestling in this match, and it completely got abandoned as soon as I felt a clear man's strength. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. look, did it feel like, because obviously I, I, I advocate for women's sports and to, to keep women's sports women's sports because of the dangers of it, but I've never actually experienced it. Did you feel like um, any sort of violations um, whenever you, you weren't told, right? You weren't told ahead of time that this was a biological male. You just had to find out. Like, was that violating to you that you weren't even told that this was what was going to happen? Yeah, it, it felt a little disrespectful because, you know, we had rules in place that could have been inclusive, but they messed that up by not being transparent about their status. And that was all we ever wanted was a choice. And they were going to be able to make brackets to where women that wanted to be able to grapple with them would have been able to grapple with them. And women who didn't want to be able to grapple with them wouldn't have to grapple with them. Yeah. Um, so there were a couple other, I, I just read the other day, there was a girl who got her teeth knocked out by a biological male. Um, previously, there's been, I believe it was MMA, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it was UFC, but previously, um, a, a female skull got bashed in. Um, what, yeah. do you, what do you yeah. think it's going to take for people to wake up to the dangers of men competing in women's sports, especially when you're talking about literal fighting? It should be so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're fighting. We have divisions for a reason, male and female. Where it's not like we have Chris Cyborg fighting Alexander Volkanovsky. They're not the same. I don't mm -hmm. care how many steroids Chris has pumped into her body over the years. Even if she's clean now, she still has like some advantage over women. But it's still not the same. A woman on steroids still isn't the same as a man's strength. And I will say that forever because I've fought plenty of girls on steroids. And it's still not the same as a man's strength. Yeah, yeah. Um, I say often on this program, and I, and I want you to push back if you think that, if you think that it's, um, what I'm saying is inaccurate, um, but having gone through this experience, I don't know if you would do anything differently, but I understand um, women, especially when you have women who are, you know, they're collegiate athletes, maybe they're participating right. for a scholarship and things like that, but I, I keep, I feel very strongly that we may not be able to make much headway on this issue until biological women just say, you know what, I'm not... I'm not even doing this. I'm not participating. Right. Obviously, you didn't have that choice because you didn't realize what right. you were up against. But do you think that it's going to take women just walking out and saying we're no longer yeah. participating in this for change to actually happen? Right. If 
you just leave the trans athletes in the division, you're not bringing in any more money from the women. <laughs> like you're right. gonna lose so much money. You're gonna make the whole country, the whole world mad, really, uh, just to please a very small group of people. And I don't have anything against trans people. Live your life how you want, but do not invade our spaces. Yeah, um, so I guess last question on this, and, and I, I don't mean to pick fun, but I, I'm very curious, what was the, the trans fighters, like what was their reaction when you beat him not once, but twice? I mean, he just got beat by a girl. Yeah, so uh, first match, they were okay. Um, second match, as you can see here, um, You'll see towards the end, they get a little upset saying they didn't tap, even though I do have a clear video of them tapping as well. Um, it was different. They, uh, I've never acted like that after losing. I always congratulate my opponent. If you're beating me, I know you're legit. So I'm like, you know, good stuff. Like if you Right, right. So how much hate have you gotten since you actually uh, brought? A lot, Yeah. a lot. It's always, why are you whining you won? Um, and then the people that just don't watch the video, they're like, it's a skill issue, not a gender issue. I'm like, well, you didn't watch the video because I won. I don't know what you're talking about. Right, right, right. Well, um, Ainsley, I appreciate you so much participating in this national, I guess global, really, conversation Absolutely. that unfortunately we're having to have. Who would have thought that we would be here saying, hey, women don't deserve to get beaten the crap out of by men. But here we are. So we appreciate we you. Are. Yeah, we appreciate you in the in the battle, and um, we hope that you will continue to speak out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my main concern right now is supporting April Hutchinson, trying to get her back into powerlifting, get that uh, two-year suspension lifted. I, you know, and, that's that's my main concern in women's sports. Well, so so for the viewers who don't know, so tell me if I'm if I'm getting this right. Um, April is a powerlifter who was suspended for speaking out against right, transgender exactly. in women's sports. Wow. Yeah, she uh, she spoke out and said she shouldn't have to compete against a biological male, and they banned her for two years because of code of ethics. You have you can't misgender people. Wow. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Well, Ainsley, keep up keep up the good work and the good fight. We appreciate Thank you. So you. Much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. All right. Well, God, is she you know, she she really nailed it. It's it should be so simple. No, men shouldn't be able to fight females. Like we we have laws against that. It's called domestic violence. Why are we allowing it on an MMA court? That's ridiculous. Um, all right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more, but we want to thank our sponsor, Preborn. So, um, Preborn is just an amazing, amazing organization that is doing God's work in saving babies. So, what they do is they have these uh, crisis pregnancy centers, these clinics that they actually strategically place in the places that have the highest abortion rates. Often they're right next to abortion uh, centers. And what they do is they try to get the women to come get medical care at their clinics instead. Because instead of lying to this woman, instead of telling her it's just a clump of cells, don't worry, we can eliminate it, it's just a parasite, they actually show them the truth. They give them an ultrasound and they show them this is an actual tiny human and it's yours. 
you're its mother and you're you're supposed to protect it. Oftentimes these women come in, they're so they're so scared, you know, they think I, I don't have the financial resources to take care of a baby. I don't have the support to take care of a baby. I'm all alone. And preborn not only gives them that ultrasound and shows them the truth, they also help them after the, the pregnancy happens, after the baby is born. They're actually helping to financially support these women. So please. Would you consider making a gift to Preborn for just $28? You can actually sponsor an ultrasound that will double a baby's chance at life. You can donate securely by dialing pound 250, say the keyword baby, that is pound 250 baby, or go to preborn.com slash Sarah. That is preborn.com slash Sarah. Right, the Israeli government has issued a response to a report by Honest Reporting, which has raised alarming concerns about journalists in Gaza potentially being embedded with Hamas during the attacks on Israel on October 7th. Um, I want to uh, I want to show this. Yeah, let's go ahead and show this tweet. You, you can show the picture first. That's fine. Whichever. Uh, this is from the Israel. I keep saying tweets. And t- should I go along with saying X? No. Okay. I feel like I should just post. always say tweets. Yeah, I can't say post. <laughs> I want to say tweet. I, I can't do it. I can't go along with it. Um, so the tweet here from the Israel account. This was, uh, they're talking about Hassan Eslaya who is an AP freelancer who also works for CNN, who infiltrated into Israel alongside the terrorists, took photos of a burning Israeli tank and captured infiltrators entering the kibbutz. And his name appears on AP credits from uh, October 7th. So once they started going into this particular story, they actually uh, found that this same journalist was seen being kissed by someone who you're like, oh, who's that? It's a Hamas leader. Um, so this man was there, uh, seems to be very good friends with Hamas, was there ahead of time, I guess knew what was going to happen because he traveled with them as they were infiltrating Israel's borders and uh, watched all of this carnage take place and was like, Cool. I guess I'll take some pictures. And CNN actually responded to this report, uh, acknowledging awareness that there was this reporting that had come out about one of their freelancers. They said that they were suspending all ties with him. Uh, The AP responded to the allegations saying they didn't we didn't know about the October 7th attacks. This guy may have, but we definitely didn't know about it. They said the first pictures AP received from any freelancer show they were taken more than an hour after the attacks began. No AP staff were at the border at the time of the attacks, nor did any AP staffer cross the border at any time. We are no longer working with Hassan Eslaya, who had been an occasional freelancer for AP and other international news organizations in Gaza. Gentlemen. Man. That's quite uh interesting. Sounds like almost like a movie. It could, it could yeah, be. and I mean, it's like it's ha- like how far should you be vetting your freelancers if they come to you and say, "I, I don't, I have this story." I'm not. I don't have like obviously all the experience in the world working with uh, like news agencies, um, but I, I'd imagine we consider that a good trade. Well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, not to not to that level. I know we have some guys here. We know Stu's done done his thing, um, but. You know, generally, from what I understand, freelancers is exactly that, right? If you can right. give, if you can offer some valuable information, uh, you can make a little money doing some freelance journalism for these for these guys. So, 
I'm not sure, and I could be wrong, but there's really like some deep dive, definitely with, in a war effort, right, of, of vetting of these guys. It's more like, hey, yeah, they're going to run it, right? It's going to benefit them. They're going to get the clicks or whatever it is. That's how everything's monetized now with how they do journalism. So, I mean, they might be right. I'm not trying to give mainstream media credit or anything or try to, like, you know, soften a blow for them. I'm just saying more than likely it's like they, they saw some information that they felt was valuable uh, and it was, you know, very valuable at the time to work with this guy. So they brought him brought him in, had him do some do some work. And maybe they were not in the know of uh, this supposed uh, attack because that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility because even like the more the. I don't want to say lower tiered uh, journalists or news agencies or whatever you want to call them. They're not vetting a lot of these uh, these freelance journalists like that, even here. And we know that. Yeah. Um, Oren, there is also a picture of him holding a grenade, which seems a little bit terroristy. Yeah, I'm conflicted because Israel has announced that they're going to treat any journalist who is embedded like this as a terrorist. And of course, I'm for left-wing journalists <laughs> being persecuted whenever possible. So, so I feel like that's justified. However, it, 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 like you said, it, not to defend the AP, yeah. but freelancers usually, even inside the United States, yeah. it's a very loose situation. Sure. Journalists are generally just scumbags and they're not well vetted even by the organizations here. When you're going to a dangerous region where you're not really familiar with most of the people doing the work there and you're just trying to collect whatever pictures you can, you're not really looking too hard into who's doing the work. Yeah. And maybe they should be doing more of that. But I think the idea that they were fully aware of what was going on and had it all planned, it's it's reasonable for them to say that they didn't. Right. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the Israel-Hamas conflict, it's just been fascinating to see all of the sheep just join in on all of these protests, uh, pro-Palestinian rallies, talking about from the river to the sea, and then being like, I, I didn't mean the elimination of Israel. Have you ever looked at a map? So I want to play um, just another glaring example. This is, of course, not from here. I believe this is in the UK. But it's just, it's so fascinating how many of these people are taking to the streets. They find it important enough to go out and take to the streets uh, to talk about their pro-Palestinian views, and yet they have absolutely no idea what led them to actually being out in the streets at a rally. Watch. Hamas invaded Israel on the 7th of October. What was your initial reaction to that? Day, come out. Uh, I think so. I, honestly, like I think I need to be a bit more clued up on like everything that's going on. Oh. So I feel like I'm not really qualified to answer that too well. I mean, I'm not sure if I just, I've seen anything that holding a sign bro. shows that that's actually happened or actually correct. Really, that's. Look, about right. these guys have positions that they were handed, okay? Especially young people my age and younger. This is how they operate. It happened with that with, with Ukraine. So whatever position that they're told to have that seems to be the edgy position, that's what they're going to do. I've, you heard me say this time and time again. Protesting, activism, whatever you want to call it, is the occupation of losers. That's just what it is that these guys do, right? They don't actually... Now, even if they end up on the right side of a general position... 
they didn't get there because they like got like it was logical, right? They didn't sit up here and work their way through. This was wrong. This was wrong. This happened. And now I'm acting as such. No, it's you were handed this position. So you don't really know. They're telling you, oh, it's still, it, it, you know, the West is involved. America's bad. Uh, Britain, whatever you guys are at, they're bad. They back this group. And therefore, we're supposed to back the obvious because 75 years of this. And they don't really know these have the no. they don't understand these positions. It's more so talking points. So Palestine is just the latest one that they're clinging on to. Again, even if you wanted to make the argument they were right. The same thing happened with Ukraine. The same thing happened before. You can go go down the list, especially when folks are protesting out here uh, over the years. It's not a position that they actually understand by any means. Yeah, I agree, Warren. Yeah, I mean, don't be angry at ignorant college students. They're always going to be ignorant. Own the process that manufactures their opinions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a democracy, mm-hmm. people are always going to be informed by institutions. Those institutions are always going to drive the popular thing, the current thing. Don't be angry that that's part of the process. Make sure that your interests are the ones that are actually being represented. You're always going to have ignorant college students. Instead, make sure those institutions are turned toward the good. Yeah. Okay, so that leads me to a a completely irrelevant question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you are an American, should you ever have another country's flag in your Twitter bio? No. (laughs) I I, I agree. I'm like, I'm so tired of seeing... I mean, I get it if you stand with Israel or whatever, but why? It's just such a virtue signal at this point. You're an American. You don't need to have someone else's flag. It's the same reason that I think these... The congressmen, who are... A lot of them are Republicans, and they're wearing, like, Israel pins or, like, an Israel... It's Israel flag merged with the the American flag, and it's, like, merged together, and it's both of them. And I'm like, would you just stop? Yeah, that's all virtue. You represent America. That's it. And it's really sad because so many of these people were America first when it came to the Ukraine conflict, but all of a sudden it's Israel. And it's like, look, America first every time. Like, terrible things happen to Israel. They have every right to defend themselves, but they defend themselves. Yes. That's your job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Um, Thank you for answering that very irrelevant (laughs) question. Burning question. Um, All right. We've got to uh, take another quick break. We'll be back with more. But we want to thank our sponsor, MyBookie. So betting on your favorite sports teams is... You know, it can be fun and it can even be profitable when you have a sense of what you're actually doing, but you need a good sports book. So how do you know you're choosing the right one? Well, when your money's on the line, you need to choose a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win, like my bookie. At my bookie, it doesn't matter if your team is up or down. You can actually just very easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. You can use my bookie for a daily odds boost, same gay parlays, and take advantage of huge prize pool contests. Plus, my bookie has a no strings attached cash bonus. It lets you deposit and withdraw very quickly. You can use promo code NEWS on your first deposit. Receive up to $200 in cash. That is promo code NEWS to claim your own cash bonus now. You can also try the MyBookie money bag to grab a potential Super Bowl frontrunner at long shot odds. Plus 38000 on the Eagles and the Chiefs. Ugh, the Eagles. Well, you won't find odds like that anywhere else. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. <laughs> Tennessee Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn has uh, asked Senate lawmakers to approve a subpoena against the estate of Jeffrey Epstein and demanding that Congress gain access to his flight logs from his private plane. I want to play Marsha Blackburn on the floor announcing a series of subpoenas, including this one. Watch. And since we're in the business of issuing subpoenas now, here are a few more that I filed a subpoena to Jeffrey Epstein's estate to provide the flight logs for his private plane. Given the numerous allegations of human trafficking and sexual abuse 
surrounding Mr. Epstein, I think it is very important that we identify everybody that was on that plane and how many trips they took on that plane and the destinations to which they arrived. Mm. I completely agree. I don't think we will ever see those names ever, 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 ever. Yeah, and I think uh, the fact that you won't kind of speaks to why you won't see it. It incriminates the wrong people. Everyone, yeah. That's just, well, that's just the bottom line. That's yeah. the only reason why they wouldn't show it. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I love that in this uh, particular story here that I'm reading, they always want to tie Donald Trump to Jeffrey Epstein first. It's like, uh, you know who flew his plane? Bill Gates, Prince Andrew, and Donald Trump. Like... Okay, you know who also banned him from uh, Mar-a-Lago and from staying at any of his uh, properties? Donald Trump, after he found out that Jeffrey Epstein had done things, uh, the things that he had done. But yes, go ahead, throw Donald Trump in there, first and foremost. It's just amazing amazing that we have this kind of casual conspiracy that continues to go on. It should be very obvious to everyone the level of corruption, and I think it is obvious to everyone, and yet somehow this can just continues to be concealed mm-hmm. from the public. It's insane. Well, so to that, uh, to that point, a high-end brothel network uh, servicing wealthy and well-connected clientele in apartment complexes in Massachusetts and, Virvin- and Virginia was uncovered by federal investigators. There were three men who were uh, arrested who were connected to this commercial sex ring. I want to play uh, U.S. Attorney Joshua Levy talking about this. Watch. This commercial sex ring was built on secrecy and exclusivity, catering to a wealthy and well-connected clientele. And business was booming until today. It's alleged that the prospective sex buyers in this scheme first had to respond to a survey and provide information online including their driver's license photos, their employer information, credit card information, and they often paid a monthly fee to be part of this illicit club. The affidavit that's unsealed in court today alleges that once the buyers were verified, they were then texted and allowed to place orders with commercial sex workers. They would choose the duration of this encounter they wanted, the types of services they wanted, and they also would receive a menu of different options and different women that they could purchase. Sometimes at rates between $350 and $600 an hour. The menu included photographs of the various women who were available that day. And the defendants um, then directed the sex buyers to various apartments in Watertown and Cambridge in Virginia where they engaged in commercial sex. According to the charging documents, the buyers who made up this ring hail from an array of professions. They are doctors, they are lawyers, they're accountants, they're elected officials, they are executives at high-tech companies and pharmaceutical companies, they're military officers, government contractors, professors, scientists. Pick a profession, they're probably represented in this case. They are the men who fueled this commercial sex ring. And the government alleges that there are potentially hundreds of individuals who took these services as commercial sex buyers. The buyers in this case are not charged today. They're not named in the affidavit. But I want to emphasize, this is an investigation that's just getting going, and we're in the very early stages. They're elected officials? Elected officials, government contractors, military personnel, and you're you're just going to be like, we're not... 
We're not going to tell you who they are. Well, they said it's just going to start. Hey, I got a different take on this. Okay. To me, that's the least criminal thing that they've done. Unless those women that were part (laughs) of that thing were like, uh, obviously trafficked or something like that, which, you know, you often see a lot of that. If that wasn't the case and this was all voluntary, you want to talk about government officials and heads of pharmaceutical companies? That's the least criminal thing that they can do. I've said here at this table, I respect prostitutes more than I respect uh, journalists. It's funny, we were just talking about how corrupt they might be. Uh, So considering all of that stuff, you know, that's the least criminal thing that these guys done. Paying folks to have sex with them. As weird as it might be. Look, as long as it's voluntary, people are traffic, okay, they're all in on it. They're pieces of crap. But as long as that was voluntary, that's the least criminal thing that these guys have done. And you're talking about, if you're talking about government officials, these guys have passed all, enact all such sorts of nonsense that have probably ended up in acts of aggression. That's the least criminal thing that they've done. So that's my take. I mean, rich and powerful uh, elites are sex criminals who are protected by the government. News at 11. I, I'm shocked. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe this is mind blowing. I mean, obviously, this should be, you know, these people should be exposed. This is predatory, whether it was consensual on the part of the women or not. The people who are perpetrating this are obviously going to be involved in trafficking at some point. This kind of thing existing is what makes sex trafficking possible yeah. and profitable. You have to nip this kind of stuff in the bud, and the people who are consuming it should be hit too. I mean, can we just appreciate for a moment, this is, it costs up to $600 an hour. Like, these men are so desperate for sex, they're going to pay $600 an hour? That better be the best sex of your life. That's expensive. I'm in the wrong line of business. I feel like you can buy enough drinks for $600. Yes, that's what I'm saying. What does that say about them? I mean, they should just be embarrassed that they, they I mean, you can't well, that will be, take a woman right, out, on a seri- wine and dine her a little on, bit, a seri- you'll spend less than $600. On a serious note, that would be why it wouldn't get released. The embarrassment would be, and obviously who it's tied to and who they're connected to, is what's going to be why we'll never know who was uh, on that list and engaging in those affairs, especially if it's uh, high high level mm-hmm. uh, uh, talking. But yeah, six hundred bucks an hour—that's that's impressive. That's all. That's I'm just saying. That's a lot. I did say high end. I didn't know how high end, but that's that's pretty high end. And I to okay. So to Eric's point, also, um, I'm not as libertarian as you are on this issue, but I will say the people who were charged, the men who were charged, face up to twenty years in prison and fines of up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. He said the heads of pharmaceutical companies, right? Now think about yeah. that. So they're going to go to prison uh, over that for twenty years. Now let's let's talk about what yeah. the hell happened over the last couple of years and these and with these criminal pharmaceutical companies and what they do. You think they're going to get twenty years right. for that? Right. So yeah, that, that, go, that goes to show just how jacked up the corruption. These guys pay for sex, which might be foul. I ain't saying it ain't foul. Make no mistakes. I'm just saying, think about the list of sleazy slime balls that have done some of the most ridiculous things that have ended up, again, in acts of aggression placed on peaceful people mm-hmm. like these pharmaceutical companies. And what they're going to get nailed, nailed by is paying for sex. <laughs> Well, maybe you can Al Capone them, you know? You can't get them on the real crime. Yeah, that's, the I, guess, yeah, I guess yeah. that's how you get them. As long them. as they end up in jail. Yeah, I guess yeah. the result is the same. Okay. Okay. I, I, now now I'm, I'm starting to come around. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm starting to come around. That was a full circle moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I want to remind you guys before we have to go to break, we do have a, a movie to offer you. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, make sure to go check out The Blind. It is the story of uh, Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty. It's a great movie. Uh, make sure you check it out. You can find that. You can get it over on blazetv.com slash the blind. 
checking in on Justin Trudeau. He just tweeted out, got my COVID-19 booster and flu shot this morning. You should get yours too. Uh, and I want to play a little video that he posted as well. Launch. Oh, both arms. Thank you so much. Why didn't he do? Why wasn't the video of him actually getting it? It was after. I'm sure he felt it was very safe. You know, he's very confident in that. Yeah. I want to remind everybody that Justin Trudeau is a evil dictator who like locked people inside his country. They couldn't leave the country because they wouldn't take the stupid shot. They couldn't move around. They couldn't take transportation. He's evil. Mm-hmm. Extremely evil. Could- gay. <laughs> G-H-E-Y, gay is what I mean. Well, it might be the other one, too. True. Have you seen the way he runs? <laughs> No, literally. Like, if you see the way he's running, that, that, that one recent video he was doing, I don't know if it was a marathon or whatever it was he was doing, they had, a, you know, the camera right in front of him, and he's, like, running. It's like, man, that's the gayest I've ever seen someone. Uh, and, I, again, I, I I ran, you know what I mean? So I, I kind of understand that. But, no, that's, uh, yeah, he, to your point, he is a bad person. That shirt is corny. That's what made this whole thing. Oh, yeah, him and his noodle arms. Horrible. Uh, yeah. It's, Vaccines cause adults who have myocarditis. Yeah. Uh, it will, it will mess you up. I wonder if that, if she got six hundred an hour for uh, <laughs> to do that. For for giving him the pharmaceutical companies got way more than that. That's for sure. Yeah, for giving him the the heart yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. Three hundred. So. Did she got three fifty to six hundred? I mean, the CEO of Pfizer did, <laughs> but not her. Thanks, you guys, for being here. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com/podcasts.